You are listening to Mining Stock Education, where you'll learn from the top leaders in the natural resource sector and uncover quality mining investment opportunities. I think that the Hot Springs Range project is really, it's the best early stage Carlin type project that I know about because it's got everything that that you need. It's got the host rock. It's got some G indicators. It has some, uh, it has exactly the kind of geophysics that you would be looking for showing these deep seated structures that are necessary to bring the ore fluids up to where the host rock is. Welcome back to Mining Stock Education. I'm your host, Bill Powers, and we're checking in with one of our sponsors and a company that I invested in last summer I think at about 70 cents Canadian through a private placement. And this company is ready to have the drill turning in 2022 in Nevada for very prospective uh, projects. Uh, two of them are kind of low hanging fruit and two of them kind of give that bigger, many multi-million ounce potential. Uh, at least that's what the geological targets are looking to shape out to right now. I'm talking about Eminent Gold Corp. The website is eminentgoldcorp.com, ticker symbol in Toronto, E-M-N-T. And on the OTCQB, is, it is E-M-G-D-F. Joining me is Dan McCoy. He's a PhD and he has a lot of success under his belt, including finding a 5 million ounce deposit in Africa. He's the chief geologist as well as Paul Sung. He is the president, CEO, and director so, gentlemen, welcome on to the show again. Uh, we last spoke in October, Paul. So bring us up to speed. That was about three, four months ago. What has the company been up to? Hey, thanks very much, Bill. And, and thanks again for having us on your uh, on your show. We appreciate it. So, yeah, I think shortly after we spoke, uh, we put out positive results from our first phase surface exploration at Gilbert South. And you were just mentioning, you know, the low hanging fruit. Gilbert South is certainly one of those projects. It, it sits within the prolific Walker Lane trend, which for those that don't know, have has produced over 80 million ounces of gold in its storied past. The surface work identified six targets, meaning that pretty much the majority of the property has mineralization on it. And our primary target returned up to 30 grams per ton in rock samples. And then later that month in October, we put out an update on WePaw, which again is a project in the Walker Lane trend. And we sampled up to 60 grams per ton there. And the exciting update there is that we think we found a potential feeder structure that could link the historical WePaw West and, and East deposits. So just to refresh your memory, Weepaw is the actually oldest uh, or first open pit in Nevada's history. It's produced over 117,000 ounces of gold. And the significance of this feeder structure is it's over a kilometer in distance. So it's you know a, a good strike length there. And then coming back to Gilbert South in November, we, we finally got the soils back from the lab. And um, really, they just effectively confirmed a multi-kilometer gold system on that property. So very excited about Gilbert South. It was the fourth entrant to our portfolio and certainly happy that we grabbed it. And then of course, today we announced that we doubled our district position at Spanish Moon. We have potentially identified a new target, which is directly analogous to the Round Mountain Mine, which sits 13 kilometers away from our district position. And you know, Round Mountain has produced over 23 million ounces of gold. So again, super exciting on that. And, and Dan will probably talk about that more um, on the technical side. 
Dan, I, I want to go over that press release you put out about Spanish Moon. But before we do, I mentioned you're a PhD, but you're not the only PhD on the team. So just refresh us as to the qualifications of your technical team. Thanks, Bill, and thanks for having us. Basically, everywhere you go in the world, you know, there's some limiting factor that you have to overcome. In uh, developing countries, it can often be social, political, even cultural. In Nevada, essentially, you need a really strong technical team because the geology here is very complex. And um, you have to have people that know the terrain. So Ajit and Justin Millier, they just got their PhDs. Uh, they did their dissertations on exactly the kind of deposits that we're looking for. And that's exactly what we need. They're, they're exactly at the point in their career where they can really contribute value because they have studied all the latest things about these deposit types. We also have Luke Schranz. He has his master's degree just completed last year. He's the youngest member of our team and just amazing, amazing what he already knows and already contributes based on, you know, that he's still a quite young guy. To balance that out, we also have Mark Kuba. He's actually an professor at the University of Reno. And he's an amazing guy, technically, besides being really super uh, great, uh, best mineralogist I know. He's always uh, leaving me behind in the field when it comes to identifying minerals. But he's also a um, really super good geologic mapper. And what he's for us, as well as those things, is he's, he's uh, been doing statistical analysis. As you probably know, when you... Um, get multi-element samples, you're generally getting, you know, you're getting a whole bunch of elements besides the ones you're looking for. And, you know, you can use those. And so he's been doing this principal component analysis on uh, all of our soils and rocks, you know, and this is really helping to kind of point us in the direction of, of where the big one might be. And of course, my original partner, Jim Slayton, he's actually a fourth generation Nevada. So this guy was riding his dirt bike around in Nevada back in the late 60s. And he's worked for many major companies. And, you know, geographically, if you're interested in a spot, he's already been there. So, uh, and like me, he's kind of a older gentleman, you know, so we've been prospecting since, you know, the time we were very young and doing it a long time. So I, I think what the team really has is it has great balance. Um, you know, one of the things that the the younger geologists bring this is that they really super technologically up to date. So, that, you know, they know how to run these 3D programs that incorporate all your data and are really effective when it comes down to, you know, where do we put the drill? So, uh, you know, I love talking about our technical team because it's frankly the best one I've, I've ever been a part of. And that's what we need. So one of your projects, which Paul referenced already, it basically overlooks Round Mountain, doesn't it? Spanish Moon. And you're talking about this as if it could be an analog to Round Mountain, which is like 30 million ounces. Uh, explain to us further why this might be. Well, what we're seeing is we're seeing, and, and it's interesting because this later target, you know, once again, a lot of times it's like you get on the ground with the right people and all of a sudden you see things that, you know, hadn't been previously recognized. So when we first got onto Spanish Moon, we knew generally like, okay, we've got these two huge events that happened that both contributed heat and water 
and metals to the environment. One was the intrusion, and we're just we're on exactly on the other opposite side of the Round Mountain intrusion from Round Mountain. The other is these gigantic caldera events, which is interesting because you look at just what hap- what happened in Tonga, like that's exactly what was happening in this part of Nevada 30 million years ago. I mean, you had these gigantic volcanic events that were happening that were, um, you know, bringing a lot of gold, a lot of mineralization to the surface. And so Spanish moon literally fell between the cracks. I mean, it fell between the cracks of, of these intrusions, fell between the cracks of these calderas. It fell between the cracks of the gold market because there was a drill hole at Spanish moon that was uh, 13.5 meters or 7.6 grams. That was the last drill hole that was drilled there back in like 2003. And so- and you know, Why was it left alone then since then, if you could elaborate? I think for a few reasons. One is that we are in uh, US National Forest Service land. To me, that's not a, a, a killer, but it's, it's a little bit more of a difficult permitting destination than just regular BLM claims. Because of that, we've hired uh, consultants that specifically do. They've been able to get um, permits for like Newcrest in, in a much, much more sensitive part of Nevada. And they've been working with us. And because we had these other three projects to work on, we can afford the extra time it takes to permit. Frankly, we need that extra time because, like I said, we're just seeing this new target. So this new target, what we call the Metal Canyon, it, um, has caused us to expand our claims significantly. And what we're seeing is we're seeing the same exact structural connection and the same exact proximal occurrence to one of these calderas that both Round Mountain has, as well as the Manhattan District, which is another similar district to the south of us. The reason that Meadow Canyon hasn't really been explored yet is because it's got some post-mineral cover on it. It has some very thin ash layers. By post-mineral cover, I mean volcanic rocks that have happened since the mineralization happened at Round Mountain. So you've got you know a bunch of ash, a bunch of very thin, uh, tough layers, and you know we believe that under that could be the significant target that we're looking for, the one that looks a lot like Round Mountain. And so you know our next step is geophysics, get the permitting done. The Forest Service is actually. Uh, you know, despite the usual delay, they've been pretty reasonable. And we're going out to the field with them to look at some of the roads here shortly. So um, we don't think that'll be a problem. We think by the time we get the chief physics done, by the time we know exactly where we want to drill, that we'll have our uh, POO, which is essentially the permit we need to begin to work there. So, Dan, in addition to Spanish Moon, your other potential Grand Slam swing is Hot Springs Range. I understand it's about ready to be drilled. Uh, remind us again, what is the potential here? I think that the Hot Springs Range project is really, it's the best early stage Carlin type project that I know about. Because it's got everything that that you need. It's got the host rock. It's got some G indicators. It has some... Uh, it has exactly the kind of geophysics that you would be looking for showing these deep-seated structures that are necessary to bring the ore fluids up to where the host rock is. And, you know, it, it, I think it really speaks to the, the strength of particularly, uh, you know, Justin and Ajit, Luke, who all worked on this project prior to me actually working for, for the company, that, 
you know, they, they basically had this idea. It's, it had made only 15 kilometers from the Getchell trend. Like, why hasn't, why didn't anybody else see this? And, I, you know, once again, I think it, it speaks to, uh, you know, their training and, and uh, you know, their um, hard work, essentially, really, to uh, that, that they recognize this. And since then, everything's kind of proven out. You know, we're seeing, even though the, like uh, the Meadow Canyon project at Spanish Moon, even though like that, it's got some uh, post-mineral cover, in this case, some salts, um, you know, we're still seeing the geochemical leakage we would want to see exact, and the exact kind of host rock that we're hoping to have. And the geophysics, it was amazing because they drew these cross-sections physics comes in and it shows the cross sections exactly and so uh, you know I, I couldn't be more excited we've got the permits we've got a drill reserved and uh and you know we're furiously figuring out where to process core and to do all that other other kind of stuff and uh you know but logistically we're ready to go and certainly from an excitement point of view we're ready to go this will be our first drill program and since we haven't spoken three, four months, remind us again of your two other projects, the lower hanging fruit I refer to, Weepaw and Gilbert South. Bill, we believe that really you need a two-pronged approach, particularly in Nevada, but essentially anywhere in the world. You have to be taking the big shots because that's that's what your investors expect you to do when you're a discovery company. And that gives you the potential out of, you know, hopefully getting bought out by a major mid-tier mining company. And so we've always we've never shied away from taking the big shots in places that haven't been drilled before. At the same time, you have to keep one foot in ore. You know, you need to have some good probability of, of making a hit on a known mineral system. So Basically, Gilbert South and Weepaw are both projects where we know because they've had previous mining and we know because there's been previous exploration. So we knew that, you know, that this was going to be more high probability type exploration. And so and we've proven that, you know, we've essentially we've gotten 30 to 60 uh, grams per ton over more than a meter on both projects. Weepaw is interesting because we're actually getting this, we're seeing this mineralization in faults that were never recognized before. So this gives us a whole different way to view this project. You know, we really think that we uh, is, is, it is an epithermal target rather than the mesothermal target it was identified as, as before. So, you know, this opens up a whole new avenue for us to, to explore there. The uh, Gilbert South target is the one of the best behaved uh, low sulfidation epithermal type bonanza gold type systems I've ever seen. It's the veins, the, the gold is where you would expect it to be. And a lot of the places where it is, is ones that have had, you know, minor underground mining before, you know, look at, you know, obviously the old timers were hitting some of these high grades. We're applying a whole bunch of things, uh, technical Things, uh, CSAMTG physics, we're doing a lot of spectral analysis, which we think is focusing on in on where the main feeder, the, you know, the, the Midas style vein the, that we're looking for. We're thinking, you know, we're, we're moving in on it. We'll be ready to drill both of those projects, uh, you know, second and uh, third quarter of this year. So it's going to be a very exciting year because we, we're essentially going to try to prove up everything that we've been working on. So uh, I, I'm really excited about it. 
Well, thank you for that overview and reminder, Dan and Paul. So it sounds like we're going to be drilling at least three projects this year. And these are prospective projects. You just laid out the prospectivity, but ultimately the truth machine determines if there's value there. So what are the drilling and financing plans? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, our portfolio is great, as Dan mentioned, uh, you know, four. So we're, we're diversified. Um, we don't need to drill them all at the same time, but if we wanted to, we could. Um, the, you know, the, the cost of drilling all of them would probably be between five to six million dollars, which is the real benefit of being in Nevada with, you know, great infrastructure, access to great resources, as well as having an amazing tech team that that Dan leads. In terms of drill readiness, as mentioned, yeah, we're, we're pretty much ready to go on three of the four projects, uh, with first one being Hot Springs. And, and, you know, from a cash perspective, at the end of our last reported quarter, which was Q3, we, we had just over $2 million in cash. But of course, like an exploration company, we, we will need to raise money to move forward on our drill plans. But at this point, we're, we're actually pretty comfortable that we have good access to capital. You know, we're all owners. Uh, so we're anti-dilutive and we're very cognizant of that. Um, so if the market's not robust, we can always drill in stages. We don't have to, you know, do it, do it all now at, at, a, at a price that we, that we don't like. So trading liquidity, I'd also like to get your commentary on that. I invested because of the tight share structure, but sometimes that can be a double-edged sword uh, for investors listening to us. They're looking at the trading liquidity and say, oh, it's not maybe as liquid as I'd like. Uh, what's your commentary here? Absolutely, for sure. We we do have a very tight cap table with just over forty million shares outstanding. So it may be hard to buy for a potential investor as as management, insiders, key technical personnel. We we own over half of the company, which is a good thing because we're, you know, we want it to work out. Obviously, and and the other half is held mostly by high net worth individuals like yourself, like others who are aligned to to really wait for what we hope will be the next big discovery in Nevada. So. It is difficult to get in, um, but you know I would suggest new investors try, be patient, get in ahead of our inaugural drill program because you know things are, as Dan said, it's going to be an exciting year. And that would be hot spring range in a couple of months. Is that what we should expect? That's right. Yeah, hot springs range. If things go around, go well, uh, kind of Q1, Q1, Q2 kind of time frame. And yeah. so results by June, initial results, I should say, of core results. I'd, I'd say, yeah. I mean, I think the lab, I mean, we'll, you know, we'll see, but um, it'll, it'll be in batches, but uh, that time frame is probably about right. The labs have been, uh, the labs have been uh, catching up, uh, you know, from the original COVID hit them hard, obviously, but now they're, you know, they're getting staffed up again and we're getting, we're seeing the kind of turnarounds that are, you know, we're more used to. And one more thing, Paul, on financing. So should the investors expect a financing sometime this year? You mentioned five to six million to drill all these programs. Yeah. And as I said, yeah, uh, yeah, I would expect uh, us to tap the market sometime this year. As mentioned, we don't have to do it all at once. If we have a great share price, you know, we might take more than, than we need. If, if, you know, if the market doesn't hang in, I mean, gold's up today again, which is, which is great for everybody. Um, so we'll, we'll see. And, and we have the flexibility with our portfolio that we can stage things if we need to. Um, really, you know, we're very you know, anti-dilution focused, if you will. So um, you know, we definitely will, will be coming. Um, it's just a matter of like, you know, how much and exactly when, but uh, yeah, that's the plan. Dan, this question may be a little redundant to what you already shared. Uh, you discovered a 5 million ounce uh, deposit in Africa, as I referenced earlier. 
So how do these prospects compare in terms of scale and appeal to you? Well, it's it's interesting that our, our discoveries both in uh, Africa as well as as in uh, with Caden in Mexico, where we were taken out by Agnico Eagle on a discovery that we made there. They were all like three years into the company. You know, we had worked at other prospects and killed them before we ever got to those prospects. I think the portfolio we have right now are, is actually superior to those companies because we haven't killed any projects yet, you know, which is very surprising to me. I thought by now, you know, we'd be killing some and maybe picking up others, but we're still, we're we're more enthusiastic for all of our projects than we were when we got into them. And that's, that's a, you know, a rare thing. And I think it, you know, it speaks to, how good our technical team is, is that they were able to come in and take a look at these old districts and say, well, well, wait a minute. Yeah, the mine's going like this, but we think the ore is being fed by this and proving it up with, by, with follow-up sampling or geophysics. And so, you know, I, I'd say I'm actually more excited. I'm more excited about this than I actually was about, about the other two. Not that the other two were slouches, but I really think that we have a, an amazing portfolio and we have the, the people and the, you know, the financial power to, to make, you know, make it come real. Paula, you met uh, Dan financing one of his past discoveries and success stories. So you've seen a lot on the finance side of the business where people come to you asking for money, but now you're the chief executive of an exploration company. So perhaps share your take on the opportunity here. Great. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, uh, you know, Caden was definitely a memorable one for me. Of course, it ended in the sale of Agnico, but, you know, not only was that a great experience to see that happen, but it also led me to Dan. And, you know, we're truly lucky to have him at Eminent, where we think he'll be, you know, finding gold for a third time, you know, with, you know, Keegan in Africa, with Caden in Mexico. And as he mentioned, I think Eminent is really unique. Um, we have this dream team of geos, three PhDs, all, all living in Nevada. Um, you know, if they're going to find something in Nevada, it's going to be by this team. They're, they're driving the portfolio with new concepts, new technology, fresh perspectives in Nevada, where, you know, a lot of people think it's been picked over, but actually there's a lot of underexplored or in some cases not explored at all situations like hot springs. So what I think, Think back, you know, you know, being a capital markets executive for over, you know, 15 years and, and and looking at all these projects, you know, as a gold investor myself, I think Eminent does tick all the boxes and that you're you're getting a team that has found gold multiple times in the past. So they've created shareholder value. You know, we're in the number one jurisdiction for gold exploration and development. And really we're at an inflection point where about to drill for the first time in the company's history. So we all know that making discoveries tend to be where an investor makes the biggest return uh, in the whole you know, mining life cycle. So I think really the time to be involved is eminent and you know, we're all super excited to, to see what happens. All right. The website for the company is eminentgoldcorp.com, ticker symbol E-M-N-T in Toronto and on the OTC QB, E-M-G-D-F. Really appreciate you gentlemen coming on, Paul and Dan. Thank you for providing this overview and update. Thanks, Kevin. Thanks for having us. Really appreciate it.
Thank you for listening to Mining Stock Education. Please subscribe and share this show with like-minded investors. Connect with us at miningstockeducation.com and sign up for our email list to stay in touch. Much success to you as you learn about, invest in, and profit from mining stocks. The mining business is one that generates gigantic wealth. You know, a good drill hole that converts might cost fifty or $100,000, and it might discover something worth a couple billion. There is no sector that I know of that has offered up as many predictable circumstances uh, where there was the possibility, certainly not the certainty, but the possibility of 10-for-1 returns as there is in small-cap and micro-cap mining stocks. Concomitant with that, if you don't do the work, or even if you do do the work and don't discipline yourself on the sell side, there are very few places in the world where you can lose as much money as quickly as in mining stocks too. I just started to study up on mining stocks and I just became fascinated because this is such a tiny sector and it's so volatile that either you could really, you could do really, really well or you could pretty much get blown out of the water really quickly. The mining sector is a very risky sector. It can take your money very, very quickly. Don't fall in love with stocks. Don't be overly confident and just do your work as best you can. Do your very best, but don't fall in love and don't get too overly confident because um, that's a recipe for disaster. I have met you know, professional retail investors that have made a tremendous amount of money on the junior mining space. Some of them aren't accredited and they just they spend their days researching, talking to people, being on the phone, being pouring through financial documents, but it requires commitment. This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not to be considered personal legal or investment advice or a recommendation to buy or sell securities or any other product. We make every effort to be accurate, but the information presented is not to be considered infallible. It may contain errors and we offer no inferred or explicit warranty. If personal advice is needed, consult a qualified legal, tax, or investment professional. Do not base any investment decision on the information contained on miningstockeducation.com, our podcasts, or videos. Make sure you always conduct your own thorough due diligence before investing. Realize that we may hold equity positions in or be compensated by some of the companies we feature and therefore are biased and hold an obvious conflict of interest. For our full disclaimer, please visit our website.